until next week. Yeah, next week we'll talk about how right I was about the Super Bowl and how it feels to be right all the time and that being the first I bear. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lena McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We have new Stanton football coach Jacob Phillips joining us later on this podcast. But Leland, before we get to him, let's start with high school basketball. District playoffs will be coming up this weekend. Uh, and last week, we saw the major movers and shakers a little bit. East Rock, are, we already knew they were going to be the one seed. Stewart's draft ends up in the two seed after a great week. Wilson trending in the wrong direction, though. They've lost three straight, and they better be careful because you don't want to be that four or five line and have to play East Rock in a semifinal. Yeah, and that's where Riverheads and Robert E. Lee and Page County kind of are battling it out right now. And it looks like Wilson should be able to stay ahead of that. But you can't overlook Buffalo Gap at the final game of the season. They're the kind of team. They've picked up some extra wins this year. You just don't want to go into that game overlooking them, just assuming you're a team that could pick somebody off there when they're not paying attention. But if Wilson wins the game, they should. They should get in that three spot, and they'll – be playing for the chance to have a rematch with Stewart Straft in that two, three game in the, in the uh, semifinals, which you would assume. Honestly, Riverhead sitting at the four seed. I think everybody in the district would probably just be happy with that. Even Lee high who's sitting right behind them because Riverheads is already locked in as a two or three seed in region one B what they do in the district tournament doesn't matter for their postseason. Because they go down to 1B, the way they've set up that region decides their settings all regular season. So it doesn't matter what they do. So honestly, Robert E. Lee, if they could get out of the five spot, they'd probably be happier. Happier If they could you know, go and lose uh, versus Stewart's draft, that might help them drop to the sixth spot and, and basically think, hey, let Page and uh, Riverheads battle out for that four or five seed. So whoever wins that game then goes uh, to play East Rock and probably gets trounced quickly by the Eagles, but it's also high school kids. You're also competitive. You're probably not coaching to lose any kind of game. So we'll have to see how everything lays out. You know, Lehigh's got Waynesboro Monday night, and then they got Stewart's draft on Tuesday night. Neither of those are any kind of gimme win. I believe Lee lost both of those matchups the last time through. Yeah. The Waynesboro game doesn't really matter. It matters in no, terms of a rivalry, but it doesn't matter yeah. for district. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, here's the problem, too, with saying Lee maybe wants to lose and be the sixth seed. Lee has been inconsistent this year, as is. So I, I, I don't know if R.E. Lee is a team that can just, you know, hit a switch and then turn into yeah. a much better team. So that's something else to keep in mind with R.E. Lee, and we'll have to see how that goes. But I think, you know, you, we've touched on it already. East Rock, they're winning the district tournament. Uh, spoiler alert. But... A shocker if they didn't. An absolute shocker. Um, Stewart's draft has played really well this week, and you know they're definitely going to be worthy of that two seed. Uh, and I think for Ari Lee right now, it is if they are the sixth seed, I think the Wilson matchup is a better matchup for them. It's a team they've split with, and I think they could, you know, I think that would be an interesting game if they met again. I think it, you know, could go either way. I think if they're that five seed against Riverheads, they've been swept by Riverheads, and I don't know if they can beat Riverheads this year. So. I mean, we'll see what happens. Again, a lot of this depends on what happens with Paige and what happens uh, when Ari Lee plays draft. So I was, I mean, I was surprised Riverheads beat him again. And 
I, I, I'm a river, you know, being a riverheads guy, obviously I'm looking at from that point of view, but as, as much as people were a little surprised when Lehigh beat riverheads in football a year ago here, I'm a little surprised that riverheads swept Robert E. Lee, you know, beat them one game or something. It's a competitive district. Riverheads pretty good team, real solid team. Uh, so not a shocker, but to get them both times, to beat them on Lee's court and get them at home, it, a little surprising. So I, I take that as a good sign for Riverhead's postseason possibilities. And like I said, they're already going to be set. They're in that two or three seed. They want to win against Page basically to lock up the two seed in Region 1B. That's really what they're playing for. Winning that game should award them the fourth spot, could get them the third spot, but you know, I think they'd be just fine at that four side because no one's going to get past East Rock whenever they play them. And so then in that two, three game draft versus Wilson, that could be happening at the end of this week. That could be a really interesting matchup. You know, they just played each other. It was a close enough game. It'd be really interesting to see that game just happen immediately again. Yeah. I don't know if I share, share that. opinion. I mean, a hundred, 107 to a hundred, it would be exciting. It'd be more exciting than another game we're about to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah. And let's let's go ahead and just pivot to that with that great segue into the Super Bowl. Um, I was right. <laughs> I was right. Uh, the Patriots won. Uh, it was a little lower scoring than I thought. And it was the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. It was the worst Super Bowl ever, uh, in my opinion, that I've seen. It wasn't even good defenses. It was just bad offenses for three and a half quarters. I remember being bored out of my mind watching a 49ers versus San Diego Chargers Super Bowl because it was such a blowout. And so I still kind of hold some of these blowout scores that you can go back and find from the Super Bowl. And that one sticks out in my mind because I was impressionable then. I, I would still say those are worse because that's just domination and like boring. Yeah, but let me tell you why you're wrong, because at least one of those teams was good in that game. That No team was good in this game. No, I, and anybody that's trying to say the defenses were that great, no, the offenses just were just not creative, not doing anything special, not living up to their potential, especially L.A., but even even the Patriots weren't even as good as they could be. I mean, they'd get a play or two in a drive. They'd at least, you know, flip the field and get some drives going, but then they ended up punting or, um, you know, going forward on fourth down, something going on where they're not scoring. It, it was not an incredible defensive game. It was just full of a lot of strategic stuff, which kept it interesting. But I, I still look at it as in the fourth quarter, either team could have won that game. Now, the Rams were going to have to do something they hadn't done the entire game to do that. But if you just don't throw off your back foot, if you step up and make a throw, if you don't throw it, try to throw it deep when you're under pressure, you might live to another play to give yourself a chance to score on that drive, at least a field goal if not a touchdown, I, I just, I look at a blowout as a worse game than a tight game, but it was not, a, a, it wasn't for the common fan. That's for sure. Where, you know, you watch a couple games a year or maybe one game a year, you're going to lose those people instantly. And even us who watch games every single weekend, it, it wasn't fun. <laughs> no, it was, but again, I, I mean, to me, when I say worst Super Bowl ever, I don't talk about in terms of, you know, scoring margin or anything like that. I'm talking about as in, I don't, Watching this game, I was like, did any of these teams deserve to be here? Because they both look terrible in this game. And this is supposed to be the coup de grace. It's supposed to be the grand spectacle. 
And look, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, you know, they're going to go down as the greatest dynamic duo in NFL history. They've won six Super Bowls together. Very, very deserving of all that. That being said, this was not their bright shining moment of the six. This is the worst of the six, in my opinion, that they won. (laughs) It's a good um, problem to have. The worst Super Bowl win sure. of six that you've had, yeah. But, I mean, it, the whole night. I mean, the game was bad. The halftime I did oh not enjoy. It was sounded terrible. It was the only thing that felt longer than that game was the halftime. And the commercials were eh. I mean, there were a few that stuck out and I enjoyed. But really, overall, I don't know. And look, I, I get, like, we both listened to Tony Kornheiser. And he was like, well, I thought the defenses were great. When no. when quarterbacks are skipping balls and missing open receivers, it's not great. It's just bad. Um, and Trey Wingo, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Leland, but I saw it tonight when I got back. Apparently, Trey Wingo on ESPN had his big coming out moment as trying to get ratings for that uh, Wingo and Golick or Golick and Wingo or whatever they call it. I was listening this morning. Okay. Well, I, I guess you listen to it every day. I don't. I don't like Trey Wingo. I've never liked Trey Wingo. And again, t- today proved Trey Wingo is incredible and a bought analyst. Um, he is in the pocket of the NFL. The NFL has made his entire career because he used to host NFL Live and then he just transitioned over to what he does now. He's always been an NFL guy. He's never going to say a bad thing about the NFL. Uh, and again, it's because he's bought. He's in their pocket. Uh, ESPN is very nervous to say anything negative about the NFL because they're tied to the NFL as well. And so Trey Wingo is going to carry that company line saying, anybody who didn't like this game, just shut it off. Okay, Trey Wingo. Well, you got your wish because it was the lowest rated Super Bowl uh, throughout the game since I believe it was 2009. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand his point in general, and I and when Golik responded to him, and I don't know what you saw. Golik basically said, "But yeah, this is like everybody's at a party watching this game, or you've designed your entire day to watch this game. Like a lot of people that show up to watch this game, this is the football game they watch every year, and that's it. So you're not just going to cut it off when it's kind of boring. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with Wingo, but. I get what he's saying in a general game. I on this one, it's just not the same. So I don't know. Yeah. He's trying to pump up. He's trying to be loud and maybe he's loud wrong, but yeah, it, it wasn't the greatest thing, but I still sat there and watched the whole thing because it was a competitive football game up until four minutes ago. I told you when the Patriots scored that touchdown, the game was over, but yeah. Okay. You tell me in the first half of a lot of games if you think it's over or not. And Am I, I ever wrong? It was a three nothing game at halftime, so I just don't. I don't really care if it, if it at halftime it was three nothing. Then it was what three three, three and then ten three. Yeah, three three was my nightmare because when the Rams kicked that field goal, I was like, the last thing I want in this is overtime. Yeah, that so, would have been unbearable. Yeah, <laughs> ratings right, it probably would have kicked back up. But yeah, I don't know. There was some good, there was some good moments, but yeah, not a strain of moments. And anytime there was really a strain of something good happening, it wasn't for the team I was rooting for, pulling for a win. So it was tough. I want to talk about like commercials and stuff later and, and the halftime, anything around the game later. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, the game could have been better, but Hey, there's been 53 Super Bowls. 
this was the lowest scoring one. So, hey, the rest going forward for a good long time, play the odds, probably going to be better. I bet you see more penalties in the Super Bowl to help out the offenses next year to make sure this doesn't happen again. There wasn't many penalties. It was called very different this game than every other game I've watched in the NFL this season. There was no rough in the passers, uh, pass interference. I the only bad call, call, and it actually resulted in a New England field goal, was that uh, hit on the New England running back on the screen. That was a 15-yard penalty, which was terrible in my opinion. But that was the yeah, only call that yeah. I thought was a bad call. The other calls, I was like, no, oh, okay. Most of the time they got out of the way. If if it was more offense and the, and the officiating was out of the way, I think I would have liked that a lot. Um, you might make a good point there. Uh, uh, that's contrast to that. There'll be more calls to keep the offenses moving to help offense. But I don't, maybe, maybe there is, maybe the officials, I'm not criticizing the officiating. (laughs) I thought the officiating was fine. Other than that one call. I I just, again, I just think the offenses are bad, but I don't, they weren't good. I was reminded going into that game. I was talking about the game pregame. I had some time to talk about it with some people the Patriots weren't dominant last week against the Chiefs. It was an overtime game. Tom Brady wasn't a Tom Brady last week. They did enough to get the win. And then look on the other side. The Rams really uh, shouldn't have been uh, there. Shouldn't have been there because of that obvious penalty. So you're just I think there was a clump of four good teams there up at the top. I don't know if we can get a fifth one in there, but it, it they're just the Patriots didn't pull away in the season or in the game, and neither did any other team between before that. So it just was one of those years that was just no dominant team. And the Super Bowl just was a reflection of that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's move to high, uh, college basketball. We saw Virginia tech have a good weekend and, uh, UVA had good a good week. weekend as well. It was a good week. It was Last a good week. week. Yeah. They beat Miami and then on the road, on the road. Uh, and then the really surprising part was what they did to NC state UVA. On Look, the road. You won at NC State. You're the number three team in the country. You're having a great year, but you didn't hold NC State to 24 points. <laughs> you yeah, haven't held hey, anybody to 24 we points. Are, we're a better defensive team than UVA, you know? You haven't held I anybody mean, to 24 it, points. So, I mean, get <laughs> off us. <laughs> it was a combination of we were playing good defense. We were motivated. We didn't have Justin Robinson like we didn't have him for this Louisville <laughs> game that just happened. So, we came out with, I think, effort on defensive end that we hadn't shown for a couple weeks. I think in the uh, non-conference season, we were showing some good defense. We hadn't shown it recently. We go down there, really show some good defense. And then NC state's shooting very cold too. Like we, we were helped. It wasn't just our defense. It was the poor shooting of NC state. And there for a while, we weren't shooting much better. So it, it was a combination a perfect storm for NC state. And we were there to take advantage of it. And it couldn't have been a better time because without Justin Robinson, our offense is struggling. So we got to win without Justin Robinson. I'll take it in the ACC. If you can score 40 some points and get a win, you take it. Yeah. I mean, look, I was a little bit tongue in cheek there at the beginning, but I mean, yeah. that Beverly kid was over 12 in the game over 10 from three. And most of those 10 were wide open. And he just I, I, totally it's most of the time in my driveway, but I've been there. NC state could have <laughs> solved the homeless problem in Raleigh. If they would have teamed up with habitat for humanity with all those bricks they were putting out there. I mean, it was the worst. My favorite possession of the game had to be the one where they had like five or six attempts. Most of them right there at the basket on offensive rebounds and just couldn't score. And then the official calls a foul, which I didn't even see a foul, but I was watching the game with my brother and he had a great one-liner. He goes, I think at the official was just like, all right, you've had six chances. I'm, that's a foul. You haven't scored. That's a foul. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I mean, they just could not make a basket. Yeah. And their fans chaining airball near the end of the game when we airballed a three and we were up like 47 <laughs> to 20. I was like, you have 20 points. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, it's kind of sarcasm at that point. <laughs> they scored one more point than their ranking. I mean, they only gave up. They only scored 14 points in the first half. And I was like, man, that's that's embarrassing. And then they only put 10 up in the second half. I mean, it, uh, the play by play guy. Great. Uh, believe it or not, NC State's shooting percentage has gone down in the second half. I mean, down to sixteen <laughs> yeah. percent from the field was terrible. Yeah. So then moving forward, still without Justin Robinson, uh, we're recording on Monday night. Uh, Tech just lost to Louisville by what eight or ten or whatever it was. Eight, yeah. We battled though without Justin Robinson. We there was moments where like, man, Louisville's going to go on a run and get away from us, and we still find a way to battle through that. We we still have talent on the court. With uh, Alexander Walker, Blackshear's a big body that he's coming along. We still can do some things. I was I was impressed with our grit tonight in a loss at home, which is not nice. I'll still take it without Justin Robinson. It makes me feel good for when he comes back that we're going to be able to to beat teams like that. I agree. Um, you know, it, it is a loss, but you don't have Justin Robinson. You're playing a bona fide top 25 team this week, unlike maybe NC state, which after watching what they did, I mean, I don't know, but I, I my takeaway from this game is Kerry Blackshear is an absolute force. I have been so impressed with him. The last He's coming along, games. he is coming along. He was eight for nine from the line. He was clutch from the field. He's the only one making free it, throws. Yeah. It feels like every time you get the ball down low to him, he's going to be trying to make a play and help you out. And he's a great force down there. I just really liked Blackshear's performance tonight, 21 points on the night and a losing yeah. effort. But uh, let me Neil Alexander Walker did not have a great night tonight from the line. He was six of 10 and he still had 17 points. So, I mean, not, not bad, but the guy who I think, and this is the reason Virginia tech lost one, the terrible shooting from the line from Alexander Walker and two Ahmed Hill has got to play better. He is 0 for seven from three in this game. He did not play well in the NC state game either. Uh, and he didn't really look that good in the Miami game that we won. Uh, but he has got to play better. He, if Virginia tech is going to have a chance with Justin Robinson out of the game, I, you just cannot do what he's doing right now. Yeah. He it's been disappointing these last two games for him. And just knowing he, we've seen him play better. So that's, it's not like we're asking too much. It's not like, What's the backup point guard uh, Beal or whatever? Yeah, Beatty's like, gonna be Beatty. Yeah, I mean. Beatty's gonna be Beatty. We're not. We're not. I'm not trying to ask too much from him, but we've seen Hill play good before and and play well and and do good things for the team. And he is a piece to the puzzle. And I think he's kind of pressing with Robinson not in there trying to be the man. You have Alexander Walker there who can be the man. You have Blackshear who can be the man down low. So just still play your role. And I think he's got to realize that. He needs to be playing a similar game, whether Robinson's there or not, uh, offensively particularly. So hopefully that gets adjusted this week. Yeah, but he's been downgraded, in my opinion, to the fourth best player. I mean, I thought he was the fourth. I thought he was maybe the third or fourth best player when Robinson's in the lineup, but he's been downgraded. I think Outlaws play better than he has the past few games. So he has just got to play better. Virginia Tech's going to have success going forward because we don't know how long Robinson's going to be out. That was now released as indefinitely, which, you know, could be, this is the last game he's going to miss, or it could be, we won't see him until ACC tournament time. Uh, We don't luckily these next couple games for the Hokies aren't ranked teams. They're not top teams in the ACC. So hopefully if he is not back, we can battle 
We've we lost we won the last game without Robinson. We battled against a ranked team tonight without Robinson. So some of these teams, if we give the same kind of effort we gave in this loss, we should at least be competitive in that game. We'll see what happens. So I'm I'm hopeful there. We're not facing Duke in the next game. We're not facing UVA. If we could just get Robinson back before then, that would be optimal. I don't want to face either one of those teams without Robinson. I agree. All right, uh, Duke is playing UVA next week. Uh, the two teams I don't want to play without Robinson, they're playing each other on Saturday. Game day is going to be there. So, you know, the whole spotlight on Charlottesville and a lot of UVA fans will be happy about that. You know, they got two wins this week against the same opponents we had. They had a little rougher time uh, with NC State, particularly. Miami was very similar. Last week, you kind of scoffed at the idea of looking at those games and comparing it kind of got molded once we lost Robinson to, you know, it's an adjusted point of view, but I was hopeful to like at least beat those teams similarly so that I could say, Hey, next time we play UVA, we're not 20 points worse than them. I think I saw enough to still believe that. And I know it was just, I still look back at UVA being a rough game and then we played a good game and then we played a bad game against UNC. We just can't have a bad game against one of those top teams and expect we're going to be within 20. As soon as we have a bad game, we might as well cut it off. But UVA, that's my point. UVA, they have a lot of a uh, lot to look forward to this week and they're going down to Duke and that would be a big win yeah, for them. Though Duke them. is now going to be uh Duke is going to have all their players. Yeah, but Duke's coming to them. They they already played it. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I said it the wrong way. I yeah. know they're coming to Charlottesville. Game day's coming there. Um, but Duke is going to have all their players. They're going to roll into Charlottesville with Jones, with everybody. And so it's going to be a different game than last time. And UVA is going to have to score again. They're going to have to put a lot of points on the board to beat Duke. They're not going to limit Duke to 50. No, I think Charlottesville, I think Charlottesville will be happy with how this one goes. I, I do think UVA will win this game, even with Duke having all their players back this time. Uh, it's in Charlottesville. They played them really tough last time. I think UVA's yeah. UVA had their close game against NC State. They handled Miami. They know Duke's coming up. They got the uh, week off. Yeah, I, they got time to prepare. I think UVA is going to win this one and really throw a wrench into the ACC standings uh, and, I guess, ju- move to the top of that, uh, which, you know, good for them, I guess. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think they're going to be very happy with how this weekend turns out, and I think it's going to be a close game like the first one, maybe even overtime, but I think when it's all said and done, the final buzzer goes off. I think we're seeing the Cavaliers win. I thought UVA was going to win the last one because Duke was missing Jones and everything, and then Duke still won. So uh, just for superstitious sake, yeah, UVA will win. I, I think they'll. I think they got it. <laughs> right. It's well, the it's the two times a year I root for Duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, oh, it's hard. Um, but before we move to high school wrestling, I do quickly want to touch on something you brought to my attention, and you know we talked about it a little bit Friday night before we went on air for basketball, but. We talked a lot about a lot of stuff Friday night. You're about to scare me here. <laughs> I'll keep it. I'll keep it sports related. Uh, but with the Virginia Tech landing a three-star recruit uh, from Georgia, it depends on where you look. If you look at the right thing, I think it's his mom's rankings. He's a four-star there. So, well, that's cool. <laughs> I just the, he's being recruited. We got by the quarterback JMU. out of Georgia to catch everybody up. We got the quarterback out of Georgia who was committed to JMU. All right. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're going after guys that JMU wants and Rutgers. I, I, 
Hey, Rutgers is the birthplace of college football. Rutgers is where college football careers go to die now. So I don't know. I'm just not impressed by Chris that Shreve, when I was a freshman in college, had the game of his life against Rutgers. What are we talking about, man? Rutgers is terrible. <laughs> Rutgers is awful. They're probably not going to win a Big Ten game next year. Um, look, uh, as long as this kid is a backup and I never have to see him actually play in a in any meaningful <laughs> You're snaps, already against it. I guess this is okay. I, I just don't think this kid is going to be worth anything. I, I hate that you're already against him, but your reaction of of it's a JMU player and we're like going after him hard here at the end of recruiting. I had the same reaction. Like, what well, is is that the level of player that we should be really going after? But I think things have changed and you got to go where you can get a kid. And, and we've lost two quarterbacks out of the room and we, we got to have a little bit of depth there. You want to get somebody in this class? They went after a guy and they got him. So that's the only positive I'll put on this. They picked a guy and they got him. He wasn't scared of Fuente. He doesn't hate Fuente like everybody else seems to. So I will say that's a positive, but I hope his talent level can grow to be ACC caliber because no one was thinking it was a couple months ago during the recruiting time. So I hope uh, Fuente can develop him uh, and he can be pushing people in the quarterback room. I, I, I hope people are in front of them and I hope someone else good comes behind them. Cause yeah, I agree. If, if he has to decommit from JMU to come be our quarterback, we're not heading where we, where I want to go. I want to win a national championship. So don't hold your breath. Um, that's all I gotta say about that. But I've I mean, been wanting to win one for a couple decades. So, okay. And three. we let's, you know, Kadem Knox <laughs> is the name of the, the kid that's coming. This is who we're talking about. But Leland, here are some other names of scholarships that he got. They said more than a dozen, including ones from Akron, Charlotte, Coastal Carolina, Rutgers. Yeah, when he that's chose who we're recruiting JMU, again. he said it was like Charlotte and Charlotte and another like low team that he mm-hmm. was choosing. He wouldn't even choose in really Rutgers. So like. Yeah, it's just the level he's at. I, I mean, I'm going to give the kid a chance probably more than you will. but That's it, who we're going it, against. It isn't a good sign uh, for him specifically. But we need to have three quarterbacks in the room. So Do we? I, Yeah, we do. That's we the do. best we can get. All year we begged for our third quarterbacks that's, to play. That's the so best we need we to have get. some competition in the room. Hmm. All right, let's move on to high school wrestling. Uh, The regular season has ended. District tournaments uh, happened last weekend in the Shenandoah. Wilson won the Shenandoah second year in a row. Riverheads finished second. Uh, G.W. Schultz for Riverheads broke the record uh, for wins at Riverheads. Uh, And so that's that's a good record. I mean, Riverheads is a good wrestling program for as long as I've been aware of what Riverheads High School is, and that's been for 30-couple years. Uh, It it's a big record for him to get. There's a lot of people in certifications down there. So for him to be one of those guys, it's great, but his eyes are on a state championship. So are other guys. Wilson will move on to the region two B as will Buffalo gap. Another good wrestling program in our area. They'll go up to Strasburg this weekend. Riverheads will go to Matthews this weekend. Uh, I believe starting Friday night and they'll be wrestling in the one B region. So, uh, Catch some postseason wrestling. We'll be talking about who won this uh, coming weekend on next week's show. And 
Uh, we'll all be getting ready for states, which is always a fun time down in Salem. Uh, Riverhead's going down there. Uh, that'll be fun. And uh, it, it, it's a good time of year for wrestling. They're, they're a couple weeks ahead of basketball getting into their postseason. So it's always fun to be talking about that as uh, the tournament basketball gets going. Yeah. And, and look, it's, you know, that time of year for winter sports, everybody is starting to get there. And as you mentioned last week, wrestling gets there before everybody else. So that means regions are this week for wrestling and, you know, fans of high school wrestling, make sure you get out there to Strasburg because that's where a lot of the two B action is. And I'm sure that'll be a lot of good wrestling up there. Uh, but and let's Strasburg will be trying to probably oh, yeah. <laughs> retain the title themselves. That's the big time program up there. Yep. But let's go ahead and get ready uh, to bring on Jacob Phillips. Back on the Yak Sports Podcast, we are now joined by Jacob Phillips, a name familiar to a lot of our listeners as uh, Bath County is a familiar opponent of, you know, particularly uh, Buffalo Gap and Riverheads, but a former quarterback and now head coach at the Stanton High School. Jacob, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, Glad to be here. Appreciate it. All right. So you – you're going to Stanton to coach football uh, in the city there. Uh, what uh, what brought you to Stanton now? What was the uh, positive things about what you could do for uh, Stanton High School? I think when you, we really kind of just sat down, my family and I, we, we kind of discussed it. And, um, you know, I think it was just a really good opportunity for, for us as a family uh, to move up there. Um, on top of that, you know, it's you know, it's a place that has a great tradition, um, a, a good story program, football program, and, and, and really a lot of their athletics as well. So it's exciting for that. Um, you know, they're you know with the the kind of change the new school, it's also building you know onto you know that story tradition, but also kind of a fresh start. And for a new coach to come in, that's exciting to kind of have that that fresh start with with the, the program and. Um, and kind of being a part of something new. I mean, everybody wants to be a part of something, you know, be the first to do something, be the first. So to be the first coach at uh, Stanton High School is, is pretty pretty exciting. Um, you know, being close to family is going to be big for me as well. Um, but, you know, it just every time I went up there and, and, and looked around the school and met and, and it did my interview process and everything, it just it just felt right every time I was up there. Coach, uh, you know, you're leaving James River, uh you had a great season this last year. You know, what are you going to miss about James River? I think it's just the relationships that you were able to build. Um, I was there for four years, and, um, you know, I was really able to, to create the, the relationships with not only just the players, but but in the school and in the community. And uh, that's always going to be difficult to, to walk away from. Um, you know, anytime you do any type of culture change, business program or anything, it takes minimum three years to kind of see the – the effects and the progress that that culture change um, takes. So we were kind of on the, the brink of kind of seeing um, the fruits of our labor and everything. So that makes it tough too, um, especially being my first head coaching job there. Uh, it's it's going to make things tough, but you know it, it definitely comes down to the relationships that you build, you know, with the players and the in the school, you know, the administration, and then throughout the community. You've had a lot of success in your football playing career uh, at Bath County. I played against you. I was on the uh, Riverheads teams while you were there. We we battled in a lot of sports more than just football, um, but um, you were successful there. You went on to William & Mary, very successful passer there, and a lot of wins um, for the tribe down there. You know, 
Talk about your experience as a quarterback, the success you've had doing that, and how that relates to you being a head coach. I think there's no other position that can really groom you um, to be a, to be a coach as well as a quarterback can. Um, I remember being in high school. Uh, I did everything I could to know every single position, um, and I needed to know every position. I needed to know the blocking schemes on trap and on on veer and on power plays and on passing plays to know where my support came from. On top of that, you need to know all the routes. You need to know the running back's positions. And then when you flip that over, you need to be able to recognize defense. Um, three of my, my my sophomore, junior, and senior years at, at Bath County, well, we did a lot of check with me at the line of scrimmage. So we'd get up there, and I would call the play based off the, the front that was given to us, the blitz that was coming. Um, I had a lot of I had a lot of leeway um, for what I saw at the line of scrimmage to check a play, to change to a different play, or just to go to the line of scrimmage and just call a play. Uh, we would call a formation to get the line of scrimmage and um, you know line up, and we would get ourselves in the best play. So it really set me up very well. That continued in college. I had some great coaches. Um, they really coached me at a high level, um, playing at a high level in a very competitive conference, probably the most – competitive conference in one double-A football in the CAA. Um, you're going to get some great teams week in, week out. Uh, did the same thing there. You needed to fully understand the playbook. And we ran a pro-style scheme. It's not like we just ran a handful of plays um, out of a couple sets. We ran, uh, you know, a ton of personnel packages, motions. You know, we'd have two plays called at the, at the line of scrimmage, and I would check into the right one. Um, but I did my best to learn as much as I could offensively. I remember going into the, the offensive line coaches um, meetings and I was taking the, the offensive line test. They give tests every week mm. based on the defense we would have. So, you know, I wanted to take those tests because I wanted to know the, the blocking scheme and I wanted to know where my support came from when we were doing our pass protection um, just to make myself even more prepared. So, I, I, you know, of all the positions there are, um, I think quarterback really kind of grooms you more than any other position because you need to know everything, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. So I, I don't want to ask you to spill all your secrets and all your strategies, and I know some of this depends, too, when you get to see your team and see what you have, but what kind of style can fans at Stanton expect to see? Uh, I plan on running a, a, an exciting style of football. Um, I've been around everything, um, and, and I hate to say I'm going to kind of morph it all together like a like a Madden team or something like that, you know, like on a, on a video game. But, you know, I went everything from split back veer to spread to, to wing tee um, to shotgun. Just I've seen a lot and um, I've coached a lot. I've been under a lot of uh, very successful head coaches and a lot of programs. Um, so I've seen what what it takes to be successful. Um, but I think it really comes down to evaluating your players the right way and getting the most out of your players. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what, what scheme it, it really it is and what things you're doing. Um, I'm going to have a basic philosophy of what I'm going to try to do, but it's really going to come down to the players and try to formulate everything I can to, to get them in the best position to be successful. Um, and that might be, you know, for two years. It might be for seven years. It might just be kind of mid-season. We decide we kind of see what we're doing the best at and uh and go from there so i'm not going to try to jam a, a square peg in a round hole so it's it's going to be one of those things more value with the players and, and do the best with that um at james river we've run option we've run a lot of jet we uh we really pride ourselves ourselves on being really good play action pass 
and, and taking those shots when we need to. Um, but, you know, it's still it's going to come down to, 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 to getting the right system, the right thing for our players. So you've spoke about, you know, knowing what Robert E. Lee has done uh, in the past and, and moving forward to Stanton High School is kind of a fresh start. But still, you have players on that roster that are only a year removed from playing in a state championship game. You, you played at the high level in high school, um, of course, and so you know what it's like to play uh, in December. Uh, so what, um, whether it be wins or, or weeks of the season or even, you know, more um, specific to growth, what are your goals for this season? How do you, you know, verbalize what your goals are for this season? You know, there's, um, there's a lot of ways to be successful and there's a lot of ways to, you know, get those wins, and those small wins. And uh, the biggest thing I'm going to have to do is come in and, and you know, earn and the trust of the players are the trust of the, of the school and the community. And we're going to do that not just on what we put out on the field on Friday nights, but how we conduct, conduct ourselves every single day, the impact we can have on, on our team, on the school, um, being involved with that, being involved with uh, the lower levels, the middle school, the elementary programs, um, and then just being out there in the community and, and being, being successful that way too. And that's one of the, the kind of the real – joys you get from from teaching and coaching is um to really kind of see like these kids grow up to see them grow up at a, at a prime time in their life and uh you know help them understand you know the steps that it takes to be successful and uh that's what we're going to look to do well that all sounds great uh good luck to you you know going transitioning over to stanton uh starting up the team getting to know everybody and uh early into the season. I'm sure we'll be talking with you again, uh, particularly through the radio station. We'll, uh, whenever we have your game, we'll be looking for an um, interview that week. Uh, but we look forward to talking to you then, and good luck uh, until we speak again. All right. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Looking forward to, uh, to, to seeing you guys some more. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Jacob. Thank All right, Leland, it's time to get to the personal side of the podcast for you and me. I'll go ahead and start it off with what's dominating my life um, based on a recommendation from a neighbor. Um, I've been really getting into QB1 Beyond the Lights. It's a documentary on Netflix. Uh, the first season follows around Tate Martell, um, a kid from Georgia's Jake Fromm, and then... The third kid's name is escaping me because he goes to Wake Forest and uh, he's just not as good as the other two. So um, that's just plain and simple. I don't want to run the kid down. Well, he's he's, a, high, Forest, he's a young kid. Yeah. I mean, one of these kids committed to Ohio State, one committed to Georgia, one committed to Wake Forest. I mean, you do the math. Um, but it's really cool to watch these kids and their high school careers, uh, see where they started uh, and, you know, get to know them a little bit better. I feel like is, you know, I, you know, doing 40 sports, I interview these kids at the Valley League in the summer. And, you know, we always try to make it fun there at the end. And you kind of get to see that a little bit during this documentary. You get to see another side of it. You still see the football side and you still see them work hard and put the work in. But you also see, you know, they're they're out of school life. And then the very end is them, you know, moving on to college. And, you know, now with Jake Fromm, you kind of know. All right, what's going on there? And Tate Martell yeah. is transferring to Miami now. Uh, and I guess this kid's still awake for us. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> maybe he's 
transfer to JMU or something. Yeah, I started season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a know. grad transfer. I, I just started season two. <laughs> I do know Justin Fields is in season two. So that's another kid who commits to Georgia and is transferring now to Ohio State. Uh, that's why Tate Martell's transferring from Ohio State to Miami. Uh, so that's kind of cool with that little connection. Uh, and then I, I haven't memorized the other two yet. Uh, one's going to Iowa State. And the other is, I think, Wake Forest as well. So Wake <laughs> dun, Forest dun, dun, dun. and Georgia getting a lot of pub on QB1 Beyond the Lights, but a highly recommended documentary, especially for football fans. I used to watch, uh, and I was, I guess I was in high school, or maybe early college. It was uh, Two-A-Days on like MTV. Oh, God. And yeah. it was so bad. Uh, it was so bad. Someone reminded me of that recently. But, it, I mean, it had some football, and the coach was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was uh, – What's the name of that high school in Alabama? Hoover. Um, what What'd you say? Hoover. Hoover. Yeah, yeah. It was that place. It's it was crazy how how crazy the coach was, and it's such an opposite of the coach I had in high school. So it was so bad because they concentrated on the dating life and everything. So I'm glad to hear that you like this one. That that gives me the trust that it doesn't dive too far in to the personal relationships off the field. What are you saying? I don't care about people's personal relationships. I don't think you care about high schools, high school players. Uh, no, that, <laughs> you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, it does not. No. Yeah. So that's good. I will give it a try at some point. It might be uh, two or three episodes here and there when I can pull it out, but uh, that'll be good. All right. Moving on to what I know, uh, that what's dominating my life and what generally doesn't dominate my life is commercials. Cause basically I design my life around watching shows at least 10 to 20 minutes after they start. So I can just fast forward through all the commercials, but the super bowl is not the time you do that. You watch the new commercials and, uh, there was some funny ones. I think overall, I, I can't remember last time I was like, man, the commercials were great this year. I think that was a thing of the nineties. And I think we're just all holding oh, on to yeah. some kind of thought of that. Mm-hmm. I would agree. It just hasn't happened in a long time. I did like, and this, I'm going to watch my words, the devour ad, uh, <laughs> where he had like an addiction. It was, uh, yeah, they, to, were, uh, they were hitting on a lot there. Um, I can't really explain it and stay appropriate, um, but it was it, that one had <laughs> me laughing so out loud. Funny. That scene where he's like, oh, it shuts the computer <laughs> when he's watching the macaroni and cheese video. Yes. I died. That was great. And, and then they were making uh, their amateur videos See? of eating devour. Yeah. Food. It was great. Yeah, it was good. So um, I that was the only one that I can really recall that got me laughing out loud. I did appreciate the NFL 100 commercial where like it had so many different names and they were tackling each other and throwing the ball across the room. Like that, that was worth the time that it took to make it. And then also uh, the Microsoft ad kind of got me for a second um, with the kids. And this is not funny. It was a good ad. That is your heartstring um, ad. Yeah. They had the kids with the, the um, remotes that were modified for them. So they had a disability. They could still play. And, uh, I don't know the dad talking in the middle of it about how his his kid wasn't different when playing that game. I I thought that was uh, a good touching moment and for a modern time. And I didn't think it was too sappy. I thought it was really good. Um, and it made me remember it. So that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Other ads though, outside of those, I, a lot of nothing that's memorable, a lot of hype around the Pepsi ad and you get Steve Carell and you're going to get, um, Cardi B. Eh, Cardi B doesn't draw me in, but you get Steve Cardi Carell B. in there. You get, um, Lil John. I, I just like Lil John. Yeah. And, uh, um, that's, that's from my wheelhouse from like Chappelle show. 
it should have made me laugh and it didn't. So oh, uh, see, I like Cardi B too. So that was three for me. I liked him. I liked the ad. I thought people are just like hating on it. Pepsi one? Yeah, I think people are just hating on it because of Coke. Uh, no, I I don't know. When I watched it live, I was just like, man, it had a lot of the pieces that I should have liked this better, but it, it hit me different. And then um, and none of the Budweiser stuff stuck out. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute. The Game of Thrones ads. I forgot about that. Where it, well, you thought it was a Bud Light ad, and it was like the, the Bud Light night jousting, and then all of a sudden it turned into Game of Thrones, and like that was pretty good. I, I did laugh out loud at that, and I'm not even a Game of Thrones guy, but uh, I love that Budweiser offered up their creative stuff to then get destroyed by game of thrones and be a game of thrones ad i thought that was i thought that was cool i like that if it means i don't have to listen to dilly dilly or the bud night anymore i doubt that means that everybody's quoting it everybody knows what you mean when you say dilly dilly you're gonna see it some more i hope not um let me tell (laughs) you one you're forgetting stella artois with the dude yeah i love that i saw that I saw it before I saw it on Friday. Um, I saw like two or three ads on Friday and that was one of them. So it didn't surprise me on Sunday. Maybe that was a factor. Um, it was cool to see him for a second. I don't know. I like the dude. I had a white yeah. Russian this weekend, so I enjoyed that. It wasn't it was a, uh, it wasn't, it was worth doing. I guess it, it wasn't a waste of time. So I'll give you that. It didn't stick out for me. Um, I hope Burger King goes out of business officially. Because oh, that was so their weird. ad near the end of the game, I was like, well, that was worse than this game. That Dude. ad was horrible. And I have history with Burger King ads. And Halloween, I might have told the story on the podcast. I, Halloween, I dressed up as the Burger King and went downtown Blacksburg. And I won a costume contest because I was the Burger King. Um, had the mask and then a great King costume. Thanks, Mom. And I, I won 50 bucks at Big Al's in Blacksburg. Um I have a history with big with Burger King and their commercials and what they can, what can do for me. That was terrible. (laughs) That was awful this weekend with that weird guy sitting there eating. Like why, why do you open the burger and get ketchup out and then not put it on the burger? Like I'm done. I'm done with that dude. Yeah. I was like, this is uncomfortable. (laughs) Like to quote Matt. We're fans of the office and we thought that was uncomfortable. (laughs) I was like, this is not okay. This is stupid. This is a terrible ad. And then Burger King is like puts their logo up there on it. And I was like, I would have not done that. I would have just ended the ad. And then people been like, what was why did we just watch some guy try to eat a burger in a terrible way? I guess the the box said Whopper on it, so it kinda would have been a dead giveaway, but yeah, some of these movies and shows they uh, previewed too. I, th- I was like, wouldn't you want to put a commercial that like makes me want to watch this thing? Like everybody's dying and uh, having a bad time. So like, there were more. There were more promos for CBS. You know why that was? Why was it? I, I hadn't heard that one. People not buying up that ad space. Good. Maybe that'll adjust what happens in the future. People will bring their A game. People, well, they'll have to lower that price. Lower that price, and then people can bring their A game. Yeah, maybe. Um, I look. I yeah, know I you don't need a Light, ad right? for Joey from Ch- Friends' new show. It looks terrible, oh. and I don't even think it's a new show. I think it's been on three years. But yeah, Apparently. I don't need that during the Super Bowl. But um, you mentioned Bud Light, and I there are other ads. I know some people thought they were good, like dissing the other beer companies or whatever. But to me, you mention their names and you give them free advertising. You realize Miller Light hadn't been in a Super Bowl ad for 20 years until Bud Light brought them in for free uh, over something over something that I'm sorry, most people don't care about or beer doesn't have corn syrup. 
Uh, cool. Well, everything else does. So I don't think <laughs> if you're drinking are... beer. Like how? How? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. This beer is healthy. No, it's but not. speaking on that, Michelob Ultra or Michelob Pure wow. or whatever, that girl's whispering. Like, you might want to speak up so people can hear what I, you're saying. I was uncomfortable during that ad, too. That I didn't was, like it. I wasn't comfortable. At least, I don't know. It was dumb. At least it was dumb. It looked like water. Yeah. Hey, I'll drink a Michelob Ultra. Let's move on to what I know that you need to know. I'm going to stay inside the Super Bowl, and I know that you already know what you need to know, and that's that halftime was terrible. I, I absolutely did not. I had nothing for it. I don't get Adam Levine. I don't understand the arm sleeve, the tattoos all over his arms. And then, you know, we get to see the oh, whole upper body by the end insane. of it. It doesn't like his image that he like his body puts off does not match the music, this falsetto singing that he does in every show. And it's like, it's pop, pop love songs. And now lately it's more kind of like club hits. It, it's like techno ish. None of it fits. It just doesn't line up. I I don't. I've never been an Adam Levine fan. I've never been a Maroon Five fan. So maybe I'm coming in negative, but I, I'm I'm pulling Joe. I just did. I wasn't. I wasn't there for that. No, I hated it. Um, I like Big Anthem Boy. Was good, but halftime sucked. I like Big Boy. Um, but oh yeah, Outcast is awesome. But he didn't play his one hit song as Big Boy, so I I didn't get that. Um, I wouldn't say that was his most popular song. Well, when he was with Outkast, but I'm talking about his single, his solo career. He also has a solo hit. It was on an Apple iTunes commercial, actually, uh, all night. Yeah, um, no, I know what song you're talking about. I'd still say that song was better. That was sure, like, and I liked that song because I was like, oh yeah, I didn't, jam, I forgot yeah. he was in Outkast, and um, I like Outkast, but Outkast was awesome. And then of course they had to change it and bring somebody else out there. And I was like, well, this was a mistake. And I wish he'd have gotten two songs. I wish Adam Levine would have gotten no songs. Um, yeah, yeah. he wasn't, I don't think he actually played the guitar. Uh, I think that was recorded. Um, I think it was a big belt buckle. I don't think it was actually a guitar for playing. I think it was a belt buckle. Whatever. And I didn't touch it. I don't care. (laughs) But I also just don't think he's a good singer. I think he relies on auto tune a lot to make himself sound good on his, songs and people eat that up now because they don't demand talent of entertainers which is sad but um and i guess you know to go back to your commercials then society is going to get what it deserves embracing all these robots so bring on the robot apocalypse i'm ready for it all right what do you know that i need to know well, Leland, I could start off by just the downright terrible stretch that Liverpool is in, but I won't do that to you right now, although they are. Their lead is down to three points, and I'm very worried about that. I'm sure I'll be talking about that next week, but um, I'll go with what I did this weekend. It was a reality check on my abilities to do things. Um, and I'll just leave it that general. Um, but so the first thing I did Saturday night was, uh, you know, my brother came over, we hung out, we enjoyed some beverages and we put together a bookcase was the goal. It happened. Eventually the bookcase is standing. There's some dings. Um, it did not go well. There was a lot of words being said that can't be repeated on the podcast. Uh, there's some damage that was done to the side of the bookcase. Now, the damage that was done to the bookcase in multiple places, they're all hidden very well in places that you won't see them unless you're, like, really looking for them. 
and like have to bend down, like get on your hands and knees to see one. And then if you're Shaquille O'Neal, you'll see the other one because it's at the very top and it's all the way in the back. But, um, but I, I got to kind of question the company that made this bookcase and I got it for Christmas. So I didn't, I've already thrown the box away. I didn't look at the company. They didn't give me all the parts. We had to go to Lowe's and buy the shelf holders because they only gave us four when we were supposed to have 12. So they only gave me a third of the shelf holders I was supposed to have. So that caused some other words to be said. Um, big shout out to my neighbors, though, for letting me borrow their hammer. Um, and oh, Joe. Congrats to me. Yeah, I don't have a hammer, Leland, okay? I live in an apartment. I don't have a lot of stuff I'm building. Like I'm, my sister had a hammer. I'm not a, she, to quote she's Tony a lot further away from someone that should have a hammer than you <laughs> to are. Go, to quote Tony Kornheiser, I'm not a worker, man. So um, I'm glad, you know, shout out to myself for not using the hammer on myself at a certain point in the bookcase building process. Well, I would make fun of your building ability and say, oh, JMU's uh, finest right there. Um, yeah, but go ahead. I was a building construction uh, major at Virginia Tech. And I've had some bookcase and stuff building that's been pretty interesting before, too. I think where your where our stories are similar is I got over there and your was your brother got over there and we had a couple beverages and then we started building. I think that's the common denominator for both uh, multiple uh, holiday seasons. I've with my brother in law, we've built stuff uh, one time, a kitchen. Uh, I ended up bloody, like one of those plastic kitchens that I'm actually looking at one right now in my house. Uh, I was bloody by the time we got done making that. Another time, though, we did get a bookcase. You you complain about your company. The bookcase that we, we had to put together one uh, December uh, night, it just said, like, there's a bookcase, there's the cover, you open it up, and there's just a picture of the bookcase again. There was no directions. It was just, <laughs> this is what it looks like in the end. Have fun. So the problem with that one made by men for men, (laughs) we had a, we had a mixture of beverages before we started that one. So that one got interesting, but that bookcase is still standing too. So, uh, we all have our fun with those, uh, bookcases, uh, from time to time. So I won't make fun of you too bad. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, it was a good podcast tonight. Really excited for Stanton to have their head coach in place. I really do think, um, Jacob Phillips can be a very good coach. I played against him in sports all through high school and uh heck he beat me in a lot of them uh but also the state champion first state championship riverheads had was against bath county so a lot of connections for me particularly with bath county with phillips and his brother uh both very good athletes from there i'm excited i think he's gonna be a really good coach he's done well at james river i mean you know, hadn't gotten them to the state championship, but I think he was getting them moving in the right way. And I think he's going to have an opportunity at Robert E. Lee now going to be known as Stanton high school. I'm going to take a while for me to get used to that, but uh, it's, I think he's going to have talent. He's going to have support. And I think it'll be exciting for the community. I think he is a good coach. So I'm excited. He's going there. uh, And I look forward to covering him uh, for the radio. And I, and I look forward to having him back on our podcast at some time. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought, you know, he sounds like a guy who knows what he's getting himself into. And, uh, you know, not to say that I think that's going to be a bad job, but, you know, he's going to have some work to do there. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll have to, we'll, time will tell what happens there, but wish him the best of luck. And hopefully, you know, we're talking to him quite often and deep into playoff runs for Stanton high school. Yeah, for sure. So we will have more um, high school talk next week. Uh, basketball's wrapped, uh, wrapped up. We'll have, you know, talk about what the district tournament did set up for regions. Uh, we'll t- we'll update you on the wrestling. 
We're going to probably have to start talking a little bit about NBA, Joe. I know you're not excited about that, but with football going out, there's going to be a little bit of NBA talk. Baseball season, baby. Baseball's coming. We will be talking about that too coming up, but uh, we have to, wherever uh, Davis goes is going to be a big story if he actually goes somewhere this week. So it doesn't matter. It does. It really does. Oh, does it? Yeah. Because if he actually goes to the Lakers, it actually makes them halfway like you think they could actually win something. They could maybe get what, what would they win? They could maybe get to the Western Conference final. No. With Davis. No. I don't know. And plus, if he's there, he's going to uh, sign a contract. So he'll be for theirs years to come. And who else joins him there? That'll be a big story. Or if he goes to the East Coast, it makes whatever East Coast team he goes to an immediate contender. Not to the win, Knicks, but to everybody win the else. East. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means to win the East and then get sacrificed to the Golden State Warriors. Everybody's getting sacrificed to Golden Warriors. I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's my point. Then you're this moving in the right matter. direction. If None you're getting this to matters. your conference final, if you're getting to your side of the USA's final, at least you're moving in the right direction. Well, maybe if he does that and signs a long-term deal, then he can go to six straight NBA finals and we can just prove that the Eastern Conference is just pure and utter garbage and it doesn't mean anything that LeBron James went to, I don't know how many NBA finals in a row. He, he won a couple of them. Mm-hmm. He beat Golden State in one of them. Okay. That just doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. Draymond Green beat Golden State that year, but okay. Well, it's it went to Cleveland, I don't know what to tell you. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Next week we'll have less soccer talk. See ya. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.